There's obviously been an uptick in COVID and coronavirus-related phishing uh, emails that, that have been sent out. There's been a lot of attacks against hospitals and medical facilities, which is just awful. Talk about just, you know, hitting the most vulnerable at the worst time. Everyone's overloaded. The hospitals and the staff and certainly IT are, are completely overloaded. There's certainly concerns around attacking the, the, the new cloud infrastructures and these new remote access configurations because in a get it done world, oftentimes, as you said, that the security side of it takes a back seat. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Welcome to the HIP Podcast. Today, I'm especially pleased to be having a conversation with Sean Metcalf. I think of Sean as the top white hat expert on Active Directory security attacks and defense. Plus, he spells his name the right way. Sean is founder and CTO at Trimark, a professional services company which focuses on improving enterprise security. He's one of about 100 people in the world who hold the Microsoft Certified Master Certification for Directory Services and a long-standing Microsoft MVP. He's presented on Active Directory and Microsoft Cloud Attack and Defense at security conferences such as Black Hat, B-Sides, DEF CON, and DerbyCon. He provides security consulting services to customers, and he posts interesting Active Directory security information on his blog, adsecurity.org. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to understand more about AD security, or you need a reference to some AD attack that you've never heard of, Sean's blog is the place to go to learn about AD security. Hi, Sean. How are you? Do you, I know you're not traveling as much. Do you have the shakes from travel withdrawal? I mean, maybe pull up a chair with a tray table up next to a window or something and look out the window. A little bit, yeah. It's, uh, it's been interesting. Certainly, I, I tend to travel uh, a couple times a month and, and get on the road and, you know, see different places and talk to interesting people and go to conferences and conferences have canceled or gone virtual. And it's, it's certainly been a challenge uh, for, for me. And I, I know it's been a challenge for everyone and trying to figure out how to work from home and have kids around and all the family. And then nobody can really go anywhere, uh, especially when it rains. <laughs> having, having the whole family here, uh, it does get interesting. So, yeah, and I, I appreciate the fact that uh, two Sean's get to talk on a podcast and, and spell the name correctly, not phonetically. It's great. Yeah, I think we're going to have to call this episode a tale of two Sean's. <laughs> so with everything going on, what are you thinking about nowadays? What's the, what do you find your customers are coming to you to talk about? What are, what are the challenges that you're are top of mind for you uh, today? Certainly the, the whole COVID work from home situation, you know, COVID WFH hashtag, um, has been a, a challenge, uh, for, for everyone. Like I said, everyone's been cramped and compressed into the same area, uh, their their home bandwidth is fighting for for Zoom and Team and WebEx uh, video conferences along with the kids, uh, so that's been interesting, uh, certainly from my perspective, and, and I know others have, have run into that as well. Uh, from a customer perspective, uh, it's been interesting seeing uh, we we certainly have customers that are very much about uh, you go into the office and collaborate and work together. Uh, many of our customers have had a at least a remote strategy in place, a uh, systematic method 
by which someone can re- work remotely or work from home. Uh, but some of our other customers really have not had that, and, and it's been a big paradigm for shift for them as they uh, have moved more or expanded their Office 365 environment uh, to include Teams now and using Teams for collaboration. Uh, it's been interesting seeing some of our customers uh, move in that direction. Uh, we've seen a number of, of customers that have been moving in Office 365 but have great, greatly and rapidly expanded that uh, migration or, or movement uh, and moved up all those timelines. So from the perspective of security and operations, the, the biggest changes I've seen have been the rapid push into the cloud, certainly into areas that haven't been used before. So customers are asking, well, how do we protect content and teams? Uh, how are we supposed to ensure that uh, our customers understand what the collaboration environment is, what they should be using, how to use that? Uh, the other part of that is also going to be or has been uh, for organizations that have a remote access policy and procedure in place, ex- greatly expanding that to include a, a larger number of users. Uh, we had one organization reach out to us that had to spin up uh, about 50,000 uh, new users for a work from home situation that didn't have corporate laptops. How do you do that? So they've been looking at some Azure, Azure options around that, uh, w- around the uh, Windows virtual desktops and how to secure that. So that's that's really been the big question that I've been hearing from, from our customers is, okay, we're doing this, but is it secure? We've moved all this stuff in Office 365 now. Are we doing the right things? How can we tighten this up? And doing all of this when the, the, the people who are doing this or are setting it up and configuring it also have kids in the same room or in the same house as them, their dogs are tripping over everything and trying to figure out, okay, if I can do one thing today, what should that be? <laughs> That's very true, and and you, even the people that are setting it up are are the ones that are remote as well. We've been talking recently about state and local governments, and state and local governments have the have the predicament that, by and large, they've never been remote work. It's always been come right. into the office, so they have to go from zero to one hundred percent in a very short period of time. And I'd say, from an operation and a security perspective, that that's certainly one of the biggest challenges. Because, um, I mean, there's the management concern of all my are my people working, which personally I think should be at the bottom of the stack. Um, certainly, it's more about should my are, are my employees okay? Are they able to um, go through their day, get some kind of productivity? out of this very odd, unusual work from home scenario, which hopefully no one is using this, this as a, uh, as a pilot of work from home, because that's not what it is. This is, we are forced to be at home uh, and we have to figure out a way to adapt our typical lives into this very unusual circumstance. Uh, so trying to figure this out, you're right. I mean, how, how do you, from an operations perspective, how do you ensure that Everyone has access to the content, has the ability to access the services they need to. And uh, as I said, we've seen that a lot of pushing to the cloud to be able to rapidly spin things up and make it work. And then the security side goes, okay, now that it's all there, how do we protect it? How do we ensure that this is tight, configured well? Um, How can we monitor it? Things like that. It's a great point is, is security tends to take a back seat to getting everybody up there as quickly as possible. Have you seen anything in terms of bad guys, bad actors, attacks, anything like that, 
that seem to be taking advantage of this situation. Any lookouts that people should be aware of beyond the, of course, you know, just the basic good security right, practices. Certainly. Uh, so there, there's obviously been an uptick in uh, COVID and coronavirus related phishing uh, emails that, that have been sent out. Uh, Microsoft has published a, a an excellent article on uh, ransomware attacks that have been basically embedding themselves into organizations and then they wait it two weeks before they actually flip the switch to, to implement the ransomware. Um, there's been a lot of attacks against hospitals and medical facilities, which is just awful. Um, talk about just, you know, hitting the most vulnerable at the worst time. Everyone's overloaded. The hospitals and the staff and certainly IT are, are completely overloaded. But from the perspective of, of what I've heard directly from our customers, uh, we've had um, reports of, of breach, breaches, um, people taking advantage of the, the situation to attack them or, or maybe even a way to re-engage with that customer and, and get uh, access again when, when they might have had access before. Um, there's certainly mm-hmm. concerns around attacking the, the, the new cloud infrastructures and these new remote access configurations because in a get-it-done world, oftentimes, as you said, the, the, the security side of it takes a back seat, which means that there may be remote access or VPN that's uh, access that's been enabled uh, but has multi-factor been enabled for everyone? Or was that something that was, we'll get to that later, we just need to make sure everyone can connect and log in. Everyone can get on the Zoom calls that we have every day at 10 a.m. or whatever. So in order to make things work, the security is something we'll take care of later. And the problem is, uh, certainly from what we've seen in the past, uh, in these in these things get overlooked, um, those, are, those are vulnerable configurations. And one of the things we, we actually saw recently with a customer when we did our Active Directory security assessment is we identified that the customer obviously got a recommendation from their security report. Maybe it was a pen test report or something like that that said, okay, implement these things. And we saw that they had implemented it, but it wasn't fully implemented. Like LAPS was configured. It was installed in the environment. We could see the schema uh, attributes. We could see that there's group policies to configure it, to turn it on. Uh, but as we dug into the environment as part of our assessment, we found that LAPS wasn't actually changing any of the passwords uh, for these computer accounts. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of this in in the current configuration because uh, people are scrambling to get things done and to make sure that they, they're they doing them right. And um, certainly we have a couple of customers that are, have reached out to us and said, look, Sean, can you guys and gals take a look at this, this environment and just tell us if we're missing anything because we want to make sure we get it right. Yeah, and you know, you as you're describing the situation, I'm thinking about things as well. In, uh, for example, uh, security steps people could take. Everybody's using Zoom or Teams. Either way, Teams it's pretty well taken care of. Zoom uh, actually sets up quite nicely with SAML-based single sign-on. If you have, uh, if you've already, you know, built yourself a hybrid environment and you've got uh, a cloud environment like um, Azure Active Directory. You can very easily um, adapt your Zoom subscription into doing SAML-based single sign-on, which will up your protection considerably for your Zoom meetings and, by the way, make it much easier for your your employees to use the product. Uh, And what came out of that is, yes, MFA, as you describe, and the challenge, of course, of yeah, MFA is all very well and good, but if you have a bunch of people using legacy authentication, 
there's all sorts of backdoors and legacy authentication is hard to stamp out as well. So I'd, I'd love to, you mentioned that Microsoft article, I'd love to have the URL uh, for that Microsoft article you were describing, and I'll make sure that we it makes it into the summary of the podcast Absolutely. as well. Now it's very well written, and it talks about uh, some of the challenges and concerns with with you know this current configuration or or environment and uh, the ransomware and and attacks that can come with it. I mean, one of the things that is challenging certainly is that okay, what are the steps? Is is looking at what are the steps that should be done? A lot of these are going to be things that we we should be doing, we should have already been doing, but in the heat of the moment, in in this configuration where nobody's at 100% productivity, and if anyone is doing 70% productivity, I think they're doing very well. Um, I find my productivity is is often 50% or less. So, trying to work through a list of things to do, or or get through that list, or get through the important things, and maybe get a couple of things done today or tomorrow or something like that, or having something accomplished for the week uh, can be challenging. And part of that is, all right, if we haven't been doing this already, how can we get this done in the current situation? I would say for an on-prem active directory, this is a great time to go through and say, okay, who really should have privileged access to the directory itself? So members of domain admins, the domain administrators group, enterprise admins groups, the the, the common ones. So these built-in privileged groups, what are the accounts that are members of those? And start going through, all right, what are these for? Um, I, I know I know Kelly, I know Jen, I know Matt. All right, so they should still have access. That makes sense. But I've got five service accounts here. What are they actually doing? And figuring out what's there and why they have access and even reducing or, or dropping it down by a, one or two or three uh, from the, the large list that there may be can greatly help improve the security of the environment. Um, there's certainly going to be challenges with remote access and remote administration and how to harden that, but certainly reducing access, uh, defined and explicit access, can help improve the security of the overall system. I'd say on the cloud side for Office 365, now Microsoft 365 <laughs> or, or Azure AD, uh, making sure that the uh, global admins group that you do the same thing. You look at who's in that, and even better, shift over to privileged identity management or PIM, um, and that provides several different layers of of protection for those accounts because they're not permanently in. As you know, they're not permanently in the global admin or corporate administrator role, uh, but they can elevate themselves into that role when they need to, and only within that session. And there's an MFA prompt that comes with that as well. Uh, certainly, security defaults is, is great for uh, smaller organizations as well as larger organizations that are just going into Office 365 but haven't gotten to the point where they're configuring conditional access policies. Uh, con- security defaults are, I believe, they're turned on now as of February for all new tenants, but any of the ones that got created recently uh, are, are not already configured with that. And so but last year, Microsoft had baseline policies, certainly now moving towards security defaults, which really is just like the security baseline, the security foundational, the foundational security of that environment, making sure that uh, privilege roles require MFA, making sure that uh, when someone's trying to access the uh, privilege p- portal a component or connecting via PowerShell, they get prompted for MFA as part of that, um, blocking the legacy authentication that you mentioned. Uh, Microsoft also recently in the past 
I'd say month, has published an article that's that really explores legacy authentication, how to detect if it's currently in use, and how to block it with conditional access, which is fantastic. That was certainly uh, has been missing for a while. I'll, I'll give you the link for that as well. Yes, you're right. It's and it's very detailed because there very there are a lot of aspects to blocking conditional access. It's not as trivial as you might uh, originally expect it to be. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate the time spent. Once we get the hip conferences started back up again, we'll uh, we'll meet again in person. Sounds great. Looking forward to it, Sean. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation. 